Welcome to the Lend Academy podcast, episode number 256. This is your host, Peter Renton, founder of Lend Academy and co-founder of Lend at Fintech. Today's episode is sponsored by Lend at Fintech USA. The world's largest fintech event dedicated to lending and digital banking is going virtual. It's happening online September 29th through October 1st. This year, with everything that's been going on, there will be so much to talk about. It will likely be our most important show ever. So join the fintech community online this year, where you will meet the people who matter, learn from the experts, and get business done. Lend at Fintech, lending and banking connected. Sign up today at lendit.com slash USA. Today on the show, I am delighted to welcome Lexi Reese. She is the Chief Operating Officer of Gusto. Now, Gusto is a super interesting company. They describe themselves as an all-in-one people platform for payroll, benefits, and HR. So you might be wondering why I have a payroll-type company on the Lend Academy podcast. It's because they have become heavily involved with the Paycheck Protection Program, uh, helping out their 100,000-plus uh, small business customers. And so I thought it was a really interesting story. I've seen them in the press quite a bit. So I wanted to get Lexi on the show just to talk a lot about, not just about the PPP, about obviously what uh, what their company does and how they're supporting small businesses and you know what they've seen. They've they've got a great you know, having a really a payroll company gets you get great insight into what is actually happening. And and Lexi shares some really interesting statistics about what's happening in the small business universe. Uh, we talk about how they're going from you know from the lending side of the PPP to the forgiveness side. Uh, we talk about how else they're helping their small business customers navigate the crisis. Um, and we talk about how they've been impacted and uh, what's exciting for Lexi right now. It was a fascinating interview. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Lexi. Thank you, Peter. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So uh, I like to get these things started by giving the listeners a little bit of background and you've had an interesting career to date. So why don't you give us some of the highlights you know, before you got to Gusto? Yeah. Yeah. Well, getting to Gusto is, is directly connected to my daughter's lemonade stand, but we'll, we'll really? start from the, be- That's we'll, an start, interesting one. <laughs> we'll start from the beginning, which is, I think work needs to have meaning. And if you're lucky enough to have a choice, you should do it in service of others. And I started my career in documentary filmmaking in Nicaragua, telling the story of girls forced into prostitution to help their families make ends meet. And afterwards, I worked with Acción International, which Mm -hmm. is a microfinance organization, to help those same families receive financing to help them pull themselves out of poverty. Business had been off my radar until a great mentor at Acción said, this is if you pursue business, you'll have the ability, Lexi, to make a powerful difference for, for real people. I went to business school and afterwards worked at both Amex and Google and in small business initiatives, which really showed me how small business ownership helps people own their own futures and it can change generational wealth and outcomes. And I joined Gusto because that that feeling is in hyperdrive. We exist to make a difference in the lifespans of small businesses and help them be successful. 
and especially right now when they're in the fight of their lives. So we're doing everything in our power through our product and our policy to help small businesses survive this current crisis. Mm -hmm. Um, the connection to the lemonade stand, I can go into if you want, but I'll yeah, I, I, I think it's it's a, it sounds really fascinating. So why don't you just touch on that now? Yeah, I I think back to the first time when my family met Josh. Leaving Google was a family decision, and Josh is the CEO of of Gusto, and he came with his wife to meet my family. And my daughters had a lemonade stand out front. And I had Josh pitch them on why they should use Gusto. And I told, I told them if Josh ran a lemonade stand of his own, he had sold a lot of lemonade. So that somehow clicked for them. I don't know that he made the sale, but, uh, (laughs) but, but he did, he made enough of an impression that here I am. So it's, it's quite, you know, it's really quite the transition going from one of the, the largest, most successful companies on earth to a, to a startup going from Google to Gusto. So just what was, I mean, I'm, I'm curious about the, I mean, you, you touched on it a little bit, but what were you doing at Google that sort of has prepared you to help you with Gusto? Yeah, I'm, I think when I joined the small business team at Google in the late 2000s, I was really inspired by the mission of Google of creating access to the world's information And Gusto's mission is similarly exciting to me, create a world where work empowers better lives. And Gusto is a people platform that enables currently over 100,000 small businesses nationwide to onboard, pay, insure, and offer benefits to their teams. Mm -hmm. And I think in ordinary times, we're doing the bulk of what a human resources department or people team would do from payroll to insurance to benefits administration. These, of course, aren't ordinary times, and I'll know we'll, we'll get into how Gusto has been helping in the last four months since, since COVID really began to take hold. But I think that we want to help people save and prepare for a better future for themselves and their families, and creating a, a scaled program that is creating an excellent service to enable people to foster humanity at work Mm -hmm. feels like one of the most exciting things to be doing right now. Right, right, for sure. So maybe you're interesting because you said you've got 100,000 businesses, you've got probably a unique window into employment data. Maybe, you know, we're we're recording this on in late June, June 29th to be exact. And so we're going to find out more about the June unemployment numbers, you know, in a few days. But what are you seeing as far as the employment data with the small businesses that are at Gusto? Yeah, I'm happy to answer that. And I would say, I mentioned these aren't ordinary times for Gusto, which I think is primarily known for payroll and health insurance. But in March, when COVID struck, we had to go further to help businesses navigate what was happening. So we shipped about 40 new features within the first two weeks of COVID, including uh, building a resource hub that simplified legislation state by state, and then built features that streamlined everything related to the payroll protection plan, which is the $650 billion allocated to go through the Small Business Administration dedicated to help small businesses in a cash crunch keep people on the payroll. 
So that has become really a lending launchpad um, that has enabled us to provide nearly $2 billion in approved lending for small businesses, both our existing customers and and small business prospects. So the window that we have is inclusive of the window of the PPP lending, which I can talk about. Sure, sure. So, I mean, we, we obviously the listeners, regular listeners know the PPP really well. We've been following it super closely over the last uh, several months. So maybe I'd, I'd love to hear your approach. You're obviously not a lender. You're, you know, that, that's not in your core business. But how did you approach it? Did you, did you try, were you, did you set up like a portal? Obviously, you've got all the payroll data and, and it's the payroll protection program. So obviously, you, you, were, you were well positioned to help small businesses, but how did you actually approach it? What did you do exactly? Yeah. So we, we knew that a major component of the process for folks to get approved was to calculate monthly payroll costs, which Mm -hmm. is tough and time consuming to do on your own. So we streamlined that into a one click process so that small business owners had what they needed and could just jump to the front of the line with either their, their existing bank or alternative lenders and, and get first in line for that PPP loan. So one of my favorite stories about this is a customer called Melissa Wirt. So Melissa owns an apparel company for nursing moms called Latched Mama. <laughs> and she told us that her lender made the PPP applications available right in the middle of bath time, which is no small feat for Melissa because she has five children. And that's pretty much the most chaotic time of day. But because Gusto had streamlined so much of the paperwork for her, she could literally handle bath time and send in her PPP application that evening. And she was approved that same day. So that's the productized in-app version of what we did for Mm -hmm. small business customers. But we also in um, the Small Business Resource Hub we had much of our legal team making sense of the legislation that we tried to write in really expert but warm and approachable ways for small businesses to find what resources were available to them, not just the PPP, but state, local industry resources that were available to them to help them navigate this as well. Right, right. And so I presume, I think I read, uh, was it Cross River Bank you were using? I think I remember I read somewhere that you, you know, some of the partner banks you were using. Just tell us, tell us a little bit about the, those relationships and who you were using. Yeah, so we found that fintechs and regional banks, as well as CDFIs, have really filled the gap and been truly extraordinarily effective partners in serving small businesses. Mm -hmm. So we partnered with fintechs like Fundera, Lendio, and Cross River Bank, which as you know, is a community bank that thinks like a fintech. And we've heard, we've heard so many stories from small business owners who were left out of PPP funding and then were approved in no time through our partnership with Cross River Bank you know, and these stories are just incredible. Another one in particular is Yellow Owl Workshop in San Francisco. They create hand-printed cards and gifts. And the founder, Christine Schmidt, she had tried everything. She did everything that was asked of her and was hours away from laying off her entire workforce when the funds came through from Cross River. And she told us she had been, I think her quote was, a sea of tears for weeks. <laughs> and suddenly there she was crying happy tears. So these, these partnerships have been incredible. And we've been happy to 
be able to offer them through our platform. Yeah, it's been so important. I, I, I feel like that's, um, you know, this is really life and death for many of these small businesses. And yeah, I mean, I think it, it's been great that you're able to do that and move so quickly to, to help because I'm sure through your quick actions and actions of others, we, we've literally saved you know, hundreds of thousands of uh, small businesses from going out, from going under. So I, w- I, w- I want to talk about the next stage because, you know, the PPP, by the time this is published, the PPP, well, who knows exactly, they could, they could be extended, but it's, supposed, it's, it's ending tomorrow as we're recording this. So the next stage is forgiveness. And again, this is mm-hmm. a very much about payroll data. And I'm, I'm curious about what you're, actually, what, what you're doing there exactly to help, help your customers who have got a PPP loan apply for forgiveness. Yeah, and I think that this, you know, you you're, you know it well, Peter, I think your listeners do too, but time matters. People do not have, small businesses generally do not have cash on hand beyond a month or two months. And we can go back to your question about the data because I don't think I answered that fully, but there's a ton of paperwork that goes into securing a PPP loan, but the same amount, if not more, is true when you're trying to have those loans forgiven. So to get the forgiveness, you have to spend 60% of your loan amount on maintaining payroll. And we've created a loan forgiveness tracker, which complies with the legislation as we know it today and compiles payroll expenses so that small businesses can stay on track and apply for forgiveness with the same ease as that PPP lending launchpad that I described earlier. Right, right. So you you were like, I'm curious because... You know, you have the you know the PPP you know program was very much you know targeted at at, at the small businesses at a variety of small businesses and the forgiveness program it it keeps changing and so I presume like I don't know where the last changes were they were within the last two or three weeks I think when they they've announced a different like a, a like the sixty percent you talked about that wasn't the case you know when it first came out so I I, I imagine you're tracking these changes because there may, there may well be more. I mean, if we, you know, we, there may well be new, new, either a renewal of the PPP or extension or some, or changing to the forgiveness laws. So um, how are you sort of keeping on top of all, all those changes? I, I think the only thing that is certain is that there will be changes. <laughs> um, and so we have effectively made it a always on initiative that comprises members of our legal team, members of our content team, members of our product team, and members of our sales advisors and customer support advisors team to be our COVID related experts. And these folks are charged with staying one step ahead of what's happening and then productizing it wherever possible to make it easy for customers to know what to do before they need to read anything, but also putting in our content, again, not just for our customers. And that's what I think is really the important piece is to remember that a lot of the problems with PPP were because it assumed that you had access to one of the major banks. But if you look at, for example, the BIPOC population, Black, Indigenous, people of color, because of systemic inequities in our banking system, a lot of people who this program was designed ostensibly to serve were left out completely. And so we're really interested because it aligns with Gusto's mission 
to ensure that our customers and non-customers know here's the aid that's available, here's how to access it, here's the follow-up needed to stay compliant, and that is motivating to everybody who works at Gusto. Right, right. And so I just want to go back to the data that we that I asked a little earlier. And can you give us some sense of how how these small businesses are doing, either you know with the PPP loan or, or not? Imagine not everyone got one, but just give us some sense of of, of the state of of small business from your perspective. Yeah, and our our perspective to to make sure everybody has the context is. It's specific to small businesses with 100 employees or less. Right. It's largely, we'll be talking about payroll data as a leading indicator of what we think is to come in the economic crisis that COVID kicked off. And for context in March, our data showed a 1,000% increase in small business layoffs. It was absolutely March madness. April showed the layoffs cooling a bit, but we moved into furloughs. Furloughs became the vocab word that suddenly everybody and their mother knew. Mm -hmm. And then our latest data in May shows small business headcount is actually increasing, but headcount overall is down since the crisis started. And hiring is being driven specifically by rehiring. So about 22% of all hires were rehires from people that had been laid off. And the industries where we saw the highest growth levels were those that you would imagine might be reopening in the context of phase two or phase three cities reopening. So these are facilities, food and beverage, transportation, construction. And then we also showed that hiring and rehiring were nearly twice as high for companies that reported receiving the PPP loan. So you asked about that compared with those that did not. So it, 34% versus 18% if you if you didn't have a PPP loan. Right. So businesses that received loans were more than twice as likely to rehire than businesses that did not, which just again speaks to how do we get lending to people that are most in need that keep our communities vibrant and our economy strong. Right, right. So I'm curious then from your perspective as you, you know, the, the PPP, you know, I think it's been, a reason, a pretty successful program. Certainly, there's been there's been challenges which which we're not going to get into here, but you know it, it's it points to a larger you know, a larger issue, and that is the need for capital for small businesses. And so, given that you've you've really you, know, you said you've done almost two billion dollars in loans, that's that's a decent sized lending operation mm-hmm. um, in normal times. So, are, is this are you thinking of expanding into business lending beyond the PPP to help to help your clients? Yeah. Well, first, I would just say, and again, I think it's a larger conversation, but among those people that did apply for PPP aid, only 12% reported receiving the funds. So I think whether it was a successful program, it was certainly a great start Mm -hmm. to address the needs of these businesses. But I, I think it's still very early days in this. In terms of Gusto getting into this business, we feel really good about the about making sure that we take the data that we have which is so imperative to every lender and making that accessible to small businesses so they can go to their lender of choice and we we're not a lender um, but we're always looking for ways to get small businesses access to the capital that they need so we think that this partnership that has been accelerated with fintechs 
it has been a strong example of how can we work together as an industry to get relief funds into the hands of small businesses and their employees without any lag time. Right, right. Okay, so then beyond the PPP, I know you, you, you've touched on it a little, but I'd love to kind of tease it out a bit more about what else you've been doing to to help small businesses navigate, you know, this the worst, potentially probably the worst economic crisis of, of their existence. Yeah, well, when, when Gusto is working well, we love when people almost anthropomorphize the service. And so someone said to me, we hired Gusto. And when you hire Gusto, you have effectively 1,100 people working on your behalf to understand what do you need to know, anything that's related to onboarding, paying, and insuring your teams. So we're excited to just keep the services that we've created and taking feedback from our customers who said, for example, you know, this is great that you have the federal guide, but what about a state-by-state hub for small businesses to get up to speed on the latest state and local information? So we've been updating that ever since. We're excited for that to continue. One thing that was really exciting that we've been working on for a while, but we updated and changed in response to COVID was a new suite of tools for hiring and onboarding employees. So given that many businesses are still working from home or just really constrained conditions and understanding the fact that it takes most small businesses 10 to 12 hours to onboard a new employee, we created this suite of tools to make it easy to automate and send customized offer letters, to e-sign key documents, to set up software for new employees, provisioning everything an employee needs on day one. So as soon as Lend Academy gets on Gusto, you're going to experience this fear. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I'm curious about like, what are what other questions are small business owners asking you? I mean, right now where, you know, like you, 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 you offer a range of different services for, for them. Are there, are there certain themes that, that are coming out beyond what we've already talked about that, that small business owners are, are seeking answers to? So we are getting a lot of questions around how to stay compliant, meaning what is legally required and how do I deal with these shifting guidelines from, again, federal, state, and local government authorities? Mm -hmm. So generally, that's one line of questioning. We have a lot of questions from small business owners who have to make the economic decision that ends up being a very real human decision of whether to cut hours or reduce staff. But how do they do that while fighting to increase, to keep healthcare benefits going for their workers in the midst of a health crisis? Right. Uh, huge, huge theme. And right now we're getting questions about the potential for a next round of federal aid. What will it look like? When might it be available? And again, we have a team working with lawmakers to keep aid coming for small businesses, particularly for Black, Indigenous, and people of color and other underrepresented groups. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious about how the the crisis has impacted uh, your company specifically. Uh, you're in California, I believe. Are you? I presume is everyone still working from home at Gusto, and how how else are you being impacted? Yeah. So we to to serve the hundred thousand plus customers we have, we have home bases in San Francisco, New York, and Denver. And we have about 1,100 gusties, I think I mentioned, 
who are primarily working, working from home. And we had, you know, given how critical the services we provide are, while that's a change in environment, that was a change we were prepared for because we had to plan for any contingency so that we could keep the support on for our customers. So we are, I think, weathering that well, albeit anybody who's been on five months of Zoom would say, (laughs) you know, there's some adjustments. Yes, yes, I understand. And I know you're on a Zoom call right now, and I appreciate you (laughs) you keeping it up. Um, Okay, so then... Are you guys still, I mean, are you guys marketing right now? I mean, this is, this is a tough time for small businesses, but also the other thing is small businesses looking to, to save money, which is what I was saying before we started, which is how we're really looking into Gusto as a, as a potential for our company. So how, how does sort of juxtapose that in, into your marketing programs? So I think the Really, honestly, Peter, one of the reasons that I joined Gusto is there's no cognitive dissonance between selling and marketing and servicing. The way that Gusto works, we're a subscription business. If you hire us to onboard, pay, and insure your teams and you have a great experience, you continue your subscription service. No lock-ins, no lack of transparency. And generally speaking, Gusto, relative to any other business I've worked with, generates most of its new customers through word of mouth from its existing customers. So it's not new for us to say, scale an extraordinary service that people love programmatically to save as little as to save as much time and money for our customers as possible. That's always been a theme doing it now with a sense of renewed urgency and understanding and empathy for what businesses are going through but that is priority number one. And again, that is a very deep part of our growth strategy. But as part of our mission, we also want small businesses everywhere nationwide to know that Gusto exists Mm -hmm. and to provide them the support that they needed. I think in uh, COVID, by all means, we have been marketing our services because if you were not on a cloud-based payroll provider prior to COVID, your ability to access and understand the legislation and the federal loans available to you and participate in that was extremely compromised. So we don't think we can create a world where work empowers better lives for everyone everywhere if we don't continue to let people who are used to older systems or different ways of doing things know that we exist. And we have a very big partnership with the accounting community who has become, as you can imagine and probably experience, ever more important advisors to customers who are looking for support in navigating this. Right, right. Well, and, you know, I've seen, I've certainly seen the Gusto name out there uh, quite a bit in during this crisis. I feel like, you, you know, I remember there's been some pretty high profile articles that uh, I've read with your guys' name in there. So clearly the, uh, the, the message is, is getting out. So uh, um, before we wrap up, uh, just, a, just a couple more things. I'd love to get your perspective, and you seem like you're a fairly optimistic person, but I'd love to get your perspective on, on how you're looking at small business and, uh, and the future of small business in this country. Yeah, I, thank you for saying that. Uh, <laughs> I think I 
it's not just my feeling, it's the study that we've had on small businesses throughout many crises going back to 2008 and beyond. Mm -hmm. And I think you look at how many companies are forming and what's happening to those companies once they are formed. And I think there's every expert will tell you this is not like any other crisis we've seen because you didn't have a shelter in place order combined with the consummate health and economic restrictions and everything that's happening in our world. So this is by no means different. But I think you can also say, do you imagine a world where small businesses are not a meaningful part of our economy and our lives? And the answer is no. So I think where we land is we plan for the worst and hope for the best as it relates to new companies starting in smaller numbers than they have. And of course, we've already seen some businesses having to make difficult choices about going out of business. Mm -hmm. But where we see, you know, on balance is also businesses starting in the context of helping to serve needs that emerge because of the current context that we're in. And also businesses transforming their business model Example is a business called Snapbar in Seattle that was an events-based marketing company that has now become effectively a, a gift, a virtual gift company that sources from small businesses and has transformed its business model and its go-to-market motions and has been really successful doing it. So I think that we're under no illusions that this is over or that it's not going to be difficult, but I think we remain bullish that small business owners, the people that depend on them are resilient. And we also remain sober in the reality that small business is often the option for many business owners who are left out of other alternatives of participating in our economy. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I, I've been a small business owner my, my entire career pretty much. Um, and my, my father was a small business owner before him. So I, I, your, your words resonate with me. So just last question then, you know, what, what are you working on right now that, uh, that, that that's most exciting for you and for Gusto going forward? I think that, geez, what's not exciting, Peter? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think that we're really excited about the onboarding and hiring tools that we have that we that we just launched and literally those are you know four days in market. So we're excited about some expanded opportunities we'll give to folks to participate in health insurance. And then we're always thinking about how do we help people save, for a prosperous future. And there are some exciting developments coming on that front as well. Interesting. Well, Lexi, we'll have to leave it there. I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Thanks, Peter. Okay, see ya. You know, I think uh, Gusto is, is a great example of this new trend we're seeing that's been called embedded finance, where you basically take one of a financial function and embedded into your company. And they did that with the PPP. Obviously, they're not a lender. They talked about uh, a crossover bank who handled most of their loan volume, but they were able to plug that in pretty quickly and easily. 
And you know, th- this is th- there's other things that they can do. And we we talked while uh, you know off the air that about this new trend and how it's getting companies like Gusto are able to access different types of financial you know, products that they wouldn't have been able to just a few years ago. So you know, they would they didn't share any any you know any secrets about what's coming down the pipe. I think we're going to see companies like Gusto offer a broader suite of financial products, and that is courtesy of this trend we're calling embedded finance. Anyway, on that note, I will sign off. I very much appreciate you listening, and I'll catch you next time. Bye. Today's episode was sponsored by Lendit Fintech USA. The world's largest fintech event dedicated to lending and digital banking is going virtual. It's happening online September 29 through October 1st. This year, with everything that's been going on, there will be so much to talk about. It will likely be our most important show ever. So join the fintech community online this year, where you will meet the people who matter, learn from the experts, and get business done. Lendit Fintech, lending and banking connected. Sign up today at lendit.com slash USA.